Welcome to The Room to Write. We're shooting the journey of a story series, and my name is Colleen Getty. Today we're talking to Kelly Carey, who's a children's author, and she is going to be talking a little bit about her latest story, How Long is Forever, and some magazine articles that she's published. Welcome, Kelly. You have a ton of experience in all different types, so, uh, but we're going to start with just where did you decide you're becoming a writer, or when did the spark of being a writer, writer start? Actually start? So my first published piece was in a magazine. And that was about 14 years ago. And before the magazine piece came out, what really started it was um, my mom. Like, all good advice comes from your mom. You should all <laughs> listen to your mom. She knew I'd been interested in writing stories, and she encouraged me to take a class with the Institute of Children's Literature out of Reading, Connecticut. And at that time, the class was a correspondence class. I mean, it sounds so old-fashioned. It wasn't, we were, we were way before online classes. This was <laughs> when we were doing this. So yeah, it was great. You would take this correspondence class, you'd get your lesson, you'd stick it in the snail mail back to an instructor, and you'd get feedback. Oh. So I started with that, and that really made me feel legitimate. And that story actually was the third story ever published in a magazine of, of one of mine. So, wow. so that, that initial spark there was there. So that's what all started it. And magazines were a great place to start because you don't need an agent mm -hmm. to get placed in a magazine. And so many of the magazines, you can go online and they'll post their themes for the month. So they work as great writing prompts if you're just starting out. So if okay. you know that the theme for this month is, I, I don't know, you know, about a blueberry theme. picking in the summertime. So, you know, now you're going to structure a story around that theme and you're, okay. you know you're hitting what that editor is already looking for and you can raise your chances of getting in the magazine. Okay. So there's a million things you just said that, okay. that are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, first of all, you're, you took a course in yeah. that, in the story you wrote there, you published it yeah. right off the no, bat no. or oh, what? Oh How does God. that work? You'll never publish a story right off the bat. So <laughs> okay. Like if that, so that's what if it that's felt what like. you think the writing journey is like, <laughs> no, no, okay. no, no, no. So kind of slow that process down and so, maybe walk us through and how long ago was that you said 14 years ago so yeah 2019 I don't even know it was 14 years ago where are okay. we okay so, and yeah. that's when you decided you liked writing or you liked it long so before that so I think I always liked writing and I, I think I thought it was because I really stunk at math so yeah okay so I'll do writing because this number stuff is just not for me mm -hmm. and then I actually did a couple of months ago we were digging through my mom's attic and I found um an award that I won from the Knights of Columbus in seventh grade. I got second prize in an essay writing contest. So I think it was always there, mm. but I think like most people, sometimes you don't recognize the thing that you're good at and the yeah. thing that makes you a little bit different and, and maybe it's a special talent because you just kind of assume, well, if it's coming easy to me, this must come easy to everybody. Mm. So I don't think that I really recognized it. I did, I'll admit my crazy little thing, I did as a teenager not as even as a teenager, middle school, you know, we all had stuffed animals and we mm -hmm. gave them little personalities and we chatted with them. Yep. Oh, I didn't just do that. I actually wrote like backstories awesome. <laughs> and I typed them out on like the typewriter that you had to stick the paper through. And I wrote like, you know, who they were and what their personalities were like and who they got along with and what they were afraid of. So I think I was Ooh. creating characters even then. Yeah. Went to college was thinking I had to be like a big businesswoman. Like I watched way too much, Dynasty TV and wanted to be like Alexis Carrington with power suits and big <laughs> earrings and so I kind of took that track. 
I took shoulder pads. Oh, <laughs> I actually am wearing shoulder pads. Today, don't tell anyone. So um, I took that. I took that route, business route. Mm -hmm. I took one creative writing class in college, thinking maybe, maybe I have this in me. And the fellow students in that class were coming to this class with these phenomenally angsty stories and these heartbreaking backgrounds they were pulling from drama or tragedy that they had had in their own childhood and mm. I had this great childhood and happy home and happy family and great parents and family and friends so I'm thinking oh, okay I don't I don't have a story to offer because I didn't I don't have tragedy in my background right. and I didn't I didn't suffer anything great and so I kind of walked away from it wow. this whole idea of writing and I just decided not for me. And I had to interrupt you there because uh, you were going for business and the last person I interviewed we were talking about how important writing is yes. even in the business world yes. uh, and so it's just interesting that you know I don't know if you want to make that connection and then carry on on your journey of writing I, but I how think, important it was in your business background to have oh, writing Oh definitely I, I mean I think I think in terms of just writing a business letter to a potential client or marketing or preparing a presentation, being able to kind of tell a story mm. with the thought process of anything you're doing in business is a way to connect with people. And absolutely writing is the way that you can do that. And I'm, I'm happy that I spent so much time in the business world before I found writing because if you want your writing out there and you want people to be able to read it, well, that's the business side of writing. Right. So it's good that you, if you have a business background and you understand what it's like to work kind of in an industry or in a corporation and getting along with different parts and people and, mm. you know, I've got to wait for the art department and I'm working with a marketing department and I need to interact with librarians and, and schools if I want to go and visit. And right. so all of, all of that is the business of writing. So there's mm. really two tracks. There's this wonderful creative track and just explore your writing and great, do that. But then there's that business track and you really, yeah, you need you to marry the to, two. Yeah, you and I think you have, have to <laughs> marry the two. So wow. Okay, so you went to business school. You took so a creative writing. Course. I was thinking more about business. Took the creative writing class. Decided, I don't have it. This is mm -hmm. not for me. And uh, then I had kids. And then you start reading books to your kids, and you start reading them, and you fall in love with them again. You remember why you liked books again, mm. and then you start thinking, I think I could write these. So took that class, that correspondence class, and just kept going from there and it did not happen overnight you really have to work on it had to keep writing like I said the, it was that first story I worked on mm -hmm. was actually the third story that got published so that means wow. I worked on it I wrote it revised it worked on brand new other manuscripts and then it was one of those other manuscripts that first got me in the door at Clubhouse Junior so okay and so how so say somebody saying at home I want to try that I want to write a story for a magazine, a children's magazine, mm -hmm. specifically you're talking about Clubhouse Junior So I did, right I did Clubhouse Junior, um, Highlights, there's Cricket, Ladybug, there's so, so many out there that you could kind of tap into. Okay. So and usually if you just Google the name of the magazine, so Clubhouse Junior and themes or um, submissions, mm -hmm. a lot of them will come up with a page just for authors tell you how to submit to them but a lot of those pages will include their theme list so I would really pay attention to those okay. even if it's just as a writing exercise mm -hmm. look at their themes and be like all right I'm gonna I'm gonna try to structure a story around this theme 
Okay. And then you think about word count. So you're thinking. That's like, what I was going to ask. Yep. What's so that? So <laughs> in kind of like the five to 800 word count range is what they're looking for. 500 to 800? Yep. Okay. And I think magazine's kind of an easier place to start. Um, picture books kind of can be in that five to 800 range too, but it's just a different style of writing. Mm -hmm. And I think kind of the more natural way that we tell stories is in that magazine format. Because mm. in the magazine, you are really painting the picture. There's not going to be 32 pictures in a magazine. There's mm -hmm. maybe going to be three or four at the most. So you, as the author, really get to show and tell a lot more in the story than you do in a picture book where you have to kind of reel it back more. Right. So you kind of can be a little more free in just letting the words fly. Right. So I like that. Um, magazines also t tend to be, I, I don't I hate to use the word didactic, but they are. They tend to want to teach a little bit of a moral or a lesson or so it's not just kind of a more ethereal story that picture books right. tend to put out there. Okay. So I think that that, especially if you're getting started because you're a parent and you're reading a lot to your kids and you're kind of in that parent mindset, you're kind of naturally in that teach a lesson mindset. Right. So it lends this, I think that this medium lends itself to kind of where your headspace will be if that's where you're starting. So okay. go for it. And so um, <clears throat> was that sort of, did you fall into writing for a magazine or was that like when you wrote that first story, you knew you wanted to write for children and you said, I'm going to try and get this in a magazine or did you think you were writing a book first? So I thought I was writing a book first. Mm -hmm. um, definitely the Institute of Trones Literature, my teacher there was giving me hints about magazines and think about a magazine. Um, I thought it was a book. I know now it definitely wasn't. I know now I have manuscripts that I tried to sell as books, and I know that they're magazine articles, so mm. I've placed them in magazines. It's definitely different. And if you really want to get a really good sense for the difference between a picture book manuscript and a magazine article, um, Harold Underdown mm -hmm. has a great website, The Purple Crayon, and he has an article in there that really kind of goes through the differences between, he's taught workshops on it too, yeah. the differences between writing a picture book and writing for a magazine. And awesome. you think, oh, it's, you know, five to seven hundred words. It's the same thing. Mm -hmm. They can translate it's totally different, totally okay. different. So I liked that I cut my teeth right. in the magazine and figured it out then and then kind of moved on to the harder. And is this a, okay, I got my name in the magazine or do you actually get to make any money off of it? Or what, what's, the, uh, what's you'll, the You'll be able to payback. buy two weeks worth of groceries okay. <laughs> <laughs> if you publish in a magazine. For me, it was really, I think when I started off writing, I was originally thinking, I, I just want something that like, generations will read like right. my children will read it to their children you know I had mm -hmm. this thing and then the more time and energy you put into it you start to think okay no I, I want readers I really want readers right. so I like the idea that Clubhouse Junior is going to send this out to their subscription base and all those kids are going to have an opportunity to read it so right. it really started off there it's not about it's not about making money not lucrative it's not lucrative <laughs> no um, but I do think it gave me a sense of how to work with an editor, and that was the first time I would I got revision notes. Okay. So so maybe walk us through that process because is that similar? I mean, yes. you have those two processes to sort of compare. Now you're yep. publishing a, yep. a, a, children's a children's book, children's book, and you've published magazines. What's the process for that editing and publishing, and so, is it much faster with the magazines? Oh, and so much faster with the magazine. And I think at the time that the editors are picking up your magazine story to now really work on it. So they buy it and then they might wait three or four months until it's 
to like work on it and then it's another three or four months before it's in the magazine. But yeah. They're really only probably working on it for like the month or two before they are going out to the print with it. Mm -hmm. Whereas with my picture book, I signed the contract for my picture book two years ago. So it'll be wow. two years before it comes out. So it is a much longer process. Mm. And I think Karen Boss at Charles Bridge, who is my editor, she and I went back and forth with the revision notes probably over six months. And this was after she bought it. So I was very happy that I had the magazine background where they're saying to me, hey, we need to make these changes. Can you get them back to us in a week? Mm. So I was used to that. I also think you really need to be used to the feedback on your work and being ready to change. Mm -hmm. You put your stuff out there, and especially when somebody buys it, it's, it's perfect, right? Like you wouldn't <laughs> put it out there if it wasn't amazing. So when you first get the feedback back to change something, I think, I think any author who has really put their heart and soul into it is going to have a negative reaction to that feedback initially. Like your knee-jerk reaction is going to be negative. Hmm. So zip your lip, <laughs> take it in, and then I wrote a blog on it called The Grumble, Spit, and Curse Revision Strategy, because that's what you do. You stomp around your house angry and mad for a couple of days, thinking this editor is loony to be suggesting this. This can't be right. It's great the way it is. Why should I change it? Mm -hmm. And then you finally come to, okay, you know, kind of that moment of zen. I'll try it. And, and then it always is better. It's just, it, they're always right. It's always better. <laughs> it's just like your mother was always right. Your editor is always right. You know, so it just, you kind of just have to, to go with it. So I'm right. happy I did that so many times with the magazine articles. So, and this and, one, this is the best story. This is um, okay. the Dauphin Queen Valentine. So I sold Is this, that your story that's on the my, cover? Yes, I always say um, awesome. magazine writing can make you a cover girl and you can still <laughs> eat cake. It's the best, okay? So yeah, Giselle, eat your heart out. I've been on the cover <laughs> of a bunch of magazines. That's but awesome. this story originally sold for their December issue and originally it was a Christmas story. And oh. I think it was called The Gingerbread Shop. Mm -hmm. all about Christmas, all about gift giving. I mean, 800 word plot arc based on going to a Christmas gingerbread shop. Sold. Mm -hmm. I'm in. And the editor <laughs> called me up, I think in November and said, hey, really sorry. We got another Christmas story in we like better. Oh. <laughs> so we're bumping you to February. And I went, but it's a Christmas <laughs> story. But I, I just said, okay. Zipped my lips, said, okay, I'll be back in touch with you. Hung up, grumbled, spit, cursed around my house <laughs> for about four days and rewrote it and it became Dolphin Queen Valentine, which, I mean, even just the title, Gingerbread Shop to Dolphin Queen Valentine, <laughs> which one would you rather read? Like, it's, it, it became such a more unique story, so much yeah. better. I'm so much more excited about the finished product and it never would have happened if the editor hadn't said, revise. So that's a perfect maybe example we'll sort of try to highlight here. Uh, you wrote a story. You thought it was done. It was done. It was <laughs> sold. <laughs> yeah. And then they said, did they just say rewrite it? Or how did, did they walk you through, like, we want it to be called the dolphin? Oh, no. She just said, can you revise it for February? Can you revamp it? And I, I, I literally, she gave me no, no direction other than that. And I literally thought, wacky, <laughs> wacky. Like, did she not read the original? It's, you know. But she was right. I mean, the, because what happened when we took away... Christmas. Mm -hmm. The real heart and theme of the story and what it was really about was really able to push forward and come through and it made the story more universal and more unique and wow. So yeah. 
That's amazing. I think that's a great, and it reminds me, I talked to Carol Gordon Exter. She was in my oh, very first interview, yeah. and she talked about a manuscript that was had one intention. She put it away, and then it, it finally sold for... It was the same part of the story, but a different, a different theme. Yeah, I really, you know, I, stories are like wine. Like mm -hmm. they really are better if you just put them on the shelf for a while. Sometimes mm -hmm. they just need that moment of time, and you need a little space from it, and right. then you can kind of rejigger it. Totally believe that. All right, so now we're going to go from magazine articles, and so how do you make that leap from writing articles to writing a book? Did you think you were writing a magazine article and it ended up as a book, or how did that nope. whole... this one, I was definitely <laughs> looking for the book. I took lots of classes, lots of workshops. There's great workshops at, through the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators, which mm. is... SCBWI, and I don't know what it is about this industry, but we love our acronyms. And <laughs> when you can actually say them fast, you know you've made it. So <laughs> SCBWI. <laughs> um, and they have great workshops everywhere that you can take. And so I took those. I took workshops at the Writer's Loft, mm -hmm. which I really kind of credit the Writer's Loft for um, my debut break in Picture Books because okay. I took a class there from Karen Boss at Charles Bridge, who mm -hmm. now is my editor. And I really think if you have an opportunity to take workshops and classes from agents and editors and you have that chance to really get to meet them, mm -hmm. to hear them teaching you how they want you to write directly from them, right. so powerful. I also think it made a big difference that I got to kind of know Karen. Like mm -hmm. she teaches you a 10-week class. You're getting to know her oh, personality and okay. you're, you know, you're chatting about things outside of just books. So right. you get a sense for, okay, I think I know what she likes. I think I know what she's looking for. And I also think it's a big deal for an editor to put your book up. They're putting their name behind your project. They have to go in front of an acquisitions board. Their boss is there. Their coworkers are there. I mean, they are really putting themselves on the mm. line for you. So I have to believe that it helped Karen that she could say, all right, this, wasn't, this was someone I met. I've seen her in person. I know she's crazy but not too crazy <laughs> like I think I can work She's with her. functioning crazy. Yeah I'm functioning crazy. <laughs> like we all are. <laughs> like I think it gave her a sense that okay I know I know who Kelly is I know I can work with her so right. I think that helps. So and so sorry I get to interrupt to ask go. a lot of writers go they get an agent first yep. and then that's how they get an editor and it sounds like did you just skip that agent process? So you can go straight so to the editor? Yeah I mean I got to go straight to the other I think um Workshops will do that for you. You go to conferences, you go to workshops. Editors will say, because you've attended, you can send me a manuscript. So it's a little window into that. Okay. That you can climb through, and I climb through it. So do that. So that worked great. There are plenty of publishers out there that will let you submit them directly. It is way harder. I would much rather have an agent. I'm looking say, for an agent. Okay, so you don't have one. Oh, yeah. Hoping. Okay. So, you, yeah, I mean, if you, if you want to keep going in this industry, which I definitely want to do, I want to be able to focus on the writing and not all this. There's so much business right. that you have to do. So which if I had an agent helping me with that. <laughs> yeah, I know. But if I had an agent that was helping me do that, man, I mean, and I could really dig into those manuscripts that need my attention, mm. I would rather be spending my time doing okay. that. So, and it's, they're gatekeepers too. I mean, there's, right. there are definitely publishers out there that I can't get to unless I have an agent. So mm -hmm. right. it happens. So it so was nice that I got to your agent. Or you I got, got to my your editor. editor. I got to Karen. She actually, this was the second one of my stories that Karen took to the acquisitions board. Wow. So, you know, it, it is a long process. So mm. yeah, Karen got excited about another one of my manuscripts. 
She took it to the acquisitions board. She actually came back to me and said, uh, which there no, it never happens, can you put in more illustration notes, which I'm almost afraid putting that out there because you don't, we really don't want to do that. Mm. But it was kind of a meta book and it really needed them. So she said, oh, we really want to see your vision for the book. So, okay. so I did a lot of work with Karen when we wrote it and it still died in the acquisitions okay. board. I saw her after it had died and I was walking in a parking lot at the writer's loft and she happened to be driving by. She literally jumped out of a car and came and gave me a <laughs> hug. Like I thought, I thought she was going to cry. Like I, when I, t when, when you Sounds realize, like a great editor to have. She huh? is. And I think so many of them are. And I think that that's when you realize they are, they are putting their heart and soul into your work. I mean, you right. as an author or illustrator know how much creative energy you're putting into it. I'm telling you, these editors are putting just as much. And she, she cared as much about my manuscript at that point as I did. So right. she's like, we're going to, we'll, you know, we'll keep sending me stuff. We'll get a project done. Okay. I'm kind of happy that, that How Long Is Forever is the project that sold. I think it's, it's got a lot of my heart in it. And it has, the, the first one that she took was kind of more whimsical, funny, mm -hmm. humorous. This one has um, kind of more weight to it while still being a fun book. I really okay. hope that it will be a traditional book that parents and grandparents will so let's talk kids. about the storyline for that. So uh, was this one of those you put in the drawer and it came back? Or, it, you know, how did the idea for How Long Is Forever come to you? And did you end up with, uh, did it change from Christmas to Valentine's? Um, or, you know, did you end up where you thought you would? Or did it really sort of uh, transition? So always, a picture, it always came out as a picture book. I always intended it to be a picture book. It really started from this kernel of an idea when I was in high school. I was driving in a car, and a song that I loved came on the radio. And I what song? Do you remember? <laughs> yes. I'm, wait. Tell me, I'll tell you the story, then I'll tell you the song. Because if I tell you the song first, the story's not going to okay. make sense. So I squealed. Oh, this is the best song ever! You have to turn it up. And my friend's father, who was driving, was like. Th this is the best song ever. Like he totally was disgusted and like scoffed at me, and I. That stuck with me that like, yeah, as a teenager, I thought it was the best song ever. And as an adult, so much older than me, he was like, no, it's not. I liked, I liked this idea that different, this intergenerational perspectives could be so vastly different. Mm. So that stuck with me and became the kernel. All right, now I'll tell you. So, and the song, and my friend's father was totally right, was Tommy's, Thomas Dolby's You Blinded Me With Science. Oh, that's like. a great song. But it's not the best song ever. <laughs> <laughs> so, in my story, in um, How Long Is Forever, Mason is waiting for his grandmother to finish cooking the first blueberry pie of the season. Mm. And he whines that it is taking forever. Mm. And his grandfather, who has this perspective of age, says, that's not forever. And he makes Mason prove that he knows the meaning of forever because if you think baking a blueberry pie is forever, you don't know what you're talking about. Mm. So Mason sends off on a farm on this quest to prove that he knows exactly how long forever is. Wow. And I feel like that is, uh, it's taking forever to publish, but yeah. uh, <laughs> it, it, it sounds yes, like... Yes, it was my own story. <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds like that is a lesson that is so current that, you know, these young generation, yes. even not just kids, but adults even now, yeah. uh, they're just expecting everything instantly. Instant, instant, right. And they have no concept instant of Instant gratification. Time, yeah, and waiting almost. is hard for kids. It definitely is. And yeah. yeah, and waiting for blueberry pie can feel like forever. So right. it's Mason kind of putting that in perspective. And 
it's really more about the forever in your life are those things that you're really truly grateful for the things that are really true blessings in your life and mm -hmm. finding those and recognizing and celebrating those so wow that's the story i love it and so did it does it look like you thought it would look, or did it change so along the better. way? Oh, really? Oh, it definitely changed. I, when I originally started writing it, I started writing it that uh, Mason and his grandfather were waiting for his parents to come home with a new sibling. Mm -hmm. And that's where I started. And two things moved me off that track. Uh, one was I started really looking at what else was out in the market. Mm -hmm. And Patricia McLaughlin's wrote um, All the Places to Love. It's just a beautiful, breathtaking book. I absolutely love it. And it is a little boy waiting for a sibling to be born. And he's talking about taking the sibling to all these beautiful places around a farm that he'll love and he'll mm -hmm. want to share with a sibling. So I kind of thought, you know, there's a great one out there. I don't know if I'm, I don't want to compete with Patricia McLaughlin, right. so let's not do that. And then I'm working with perspective and kids. And I think that this space where you appreciate the birth of a child is a really adult feeling. Mm. And well, yeah, kids get excited about new siblings coming in and it's a rite of passage and all. It's like, mm, yeah, mm, new sibling. It's more the forever starts when they get home. Yes. <laughs> Oh my God, I have a nephew. <laughs> Baby's taking forever yes. to go back to where they came from. <laughs> I have a nephew, his sister, his parents brought the new sister home and checked it out the first day, checked it out the second day. Like the third or fourth day, he w wakes up in his pajamas and comes scuffing out and he looks in the kitchen and he goes, Bobby girl still here. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, isn't she gone yet? Yeah. So I just think it, that's, not, that's not that experience for mm -hmm. kids. But waiting for a blueberry pie that's way more at kid level kids can mm. relate to that so and I, it just was it was better it was the better story arc right so that's where it was so you're two years in are you or what's the so sort of the, the timeline oh, and so the how timeline. does the editing oh, happen yeah here i'll really scare people so <laughs> i originally wrote the story in 2014 Okay. It went through critique groups. It went through revisions. Uh, Karen was actually the 11th editor or agent to look at the story, and she was the one that bought it. So and you then, were rejected 10 times, mm -hmm. which is always important for which other honestly, writers to understand. I think that's low. I, yeah. be, honestly, my comment on that would be only 10 times. Right. I mean, you really want to, I tell people like, and I tell myself that it's hard, the rejection's hard, but mm -hmm. I would wait till you get 20 or 25 before you do a serious deep revision on a manuscript. Because hmm. you're really looking for the, the person that hears your voice. And if you are sending that out there and you've gone through critique groups with it and more than once and you right. really feel like you've vetted it within the writing community of other authors and you're ready to send it out there, don't, don't back off of that brave moment where you're ready to put it out to an agent or an editor just because you get two, three, ten, reject, keep, keep going right. for a little bit before you really change it. And I'm going to interrupt you only because you have something to do with carrots, right? Oh, yeah, <laughs> I do. I don't want to misquote, but I feel like there's something to do with carrots that it would be a great resource for so writers. So 24 Carrot Writing is uh, a blog and a website that I share with three other authors. And what's the website? So it's called it, it's www24, the number 24, carrot, like the bunnies eat, writing mm -hmm. com. Okay. And it's a resource for writers, and we do interviews and tips and tricks for how to get going on your writing journey. And the 24 carats is really that business versus creative side of writing that I was talking about. So the whole premise is you should set every month for yourself a writing goal. I'm going to write three chapters. I'm, I'm going to revise a picture book. I'm going to draft a new picture book mm -hmm. and a business goal. I'm going to 
take a workshop. I'm going to go to an event at a bookstore and meet an author. Okay. Or I'm going to uh, read a, a industry journal, something, mm -hmm. something to do with the business of writing. Right. So one goal in each. If you do that every year for 12 months, or if you do that every month for 12 months, you will have 24 goals hit and you will be a 24 karat writer. Wow. So that's 24 carats. So yeah. It sounds like that goes with your almost like 24 rejections until you get yeah. your 25th and decide. That wasn't decide. really why we came up with 24 <laughs> carat writing, but gee, that's really that interesting. Yes, in it is. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, and, and that's all part of it. And um, when you're talking about like uh, going to workshops, uh, a lot of writers, if they can't afford to go to a workshop, yeah. you have some great ideas for, you know, going to an author event or things oh, that are go free. go to an author event. 24 karat writing is free. Um, Tara Lazar does a wonderful uh, story storm online where in a particular month you'll write a picture book idea down every day of the month. That's Ooh. free. Like there are just so many wonderful resources out there that you can go to. The Society for Children's Book Writers and Illustrators, join it. It's, it the membership's really not that expensive to mm. go. And they have workshops all the time. The Writer's Loft in Sherburn has f workshops that you can attend and just come to a craft chat for five bucks. Like mm -hmm. just come, you don't even have to be a member. Right. So the community is out there. You definitely have to find them. So. Okay. And so uh, any last thoughts on uh, before we run to our last advice <laughs> from you, uh, but, you know, coming down the curve of towards publication, what's that process feel like and, and what does it look like? And, yeah, <laughs> It's fun. I think, I mean, even with the magazines, with the magazines, you, you sign off on your words and then I don't see the artwork till the magazine shows up in my mailbox. So oh, that's wow. really, really exciting. Mm. Um, with the book, even more exciting because um, my illustrator's uh, debut too, her name is um, oh. Ching Zhang. She's fabulous. So I'm starting to see her sketches are coming through and her artwork and it's just something really cool about, wow, I started with a blank page. Mm. I put my words and my ideas on it and now it's inspiring this amazing artist to do these phenomenal pictures and how is she pulling that out of my words. It's just, right. it's really a rewarding process. So it's been, that's been awesome. Right. So. And do you give feedback? Do they give you sketches and you say? Um, I think the normal course of action is no. Okay. I, I was very fortunate. Charles Bridge is a wonderful mid-sized publisher. So I, Karen did say, here's the initial sketches. If you have any feedback, you can share it. But I share it with my editor and then what she chooses to share with the art department or the illustrator is up to them and I'm happy for it to be that way. I really right. do think what I want is the illustrator's like creative flow to just go nuts. Mm. And I, if I had someone leaning over me as I was in early drafts going, oh, do you think that word, do you think you should, that phrase, maybe you should change the arc, mm. it would totally have interrupted the process. Right. And I never want to do that to the illustrator. So I just wanted her to just just go and she, right. man, she did. It's, it's cool. It's cool now to see. Awesome. You know, well, congratulations ahead of time. Thank uh, you. you know, in April 2020, we're going to be looking for how long is forever. Yep. Uh, so when you're thinking of young writers or writers that are retired that want to, you know, do their first book or, or, or somebody who just wants to get into writing, what would be some sort of parting advice? or tips advice. from you? I think the big thing is, I think a lot of people say they are thinking about writing a book. And you know, when I say people, oh, I've got a book coming out, I, pr 
probably every fourth person I meet is like, oh, I've always wanted to do that. Mm -hmm. So my big piece of advice is you need to move from thinking about doing it to doing it. And I think the best way to do that is to really set an intention, which kind of goes back to what we've done with our 24 karat writing mm -hmm. goals. Like come up with a hard goal. Like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to do this this month. I'm going to, I'm going to get 50 words down on a page this month and I'm going to, uh, look around for a writing community in my area. You know, set a real, put some meat behind the dreaming and the wishing and the wanting, and 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 it'll be real. Make awesome. It real. Well, thank you so much, Kelly. Uh, I really enjoyed getting to know you and your writing. Thank you. Projects, uh, and if there are any other writers that would like to join us in the studio, you can go to www.theroomtowrite.org. And uh, thank you again, Kelly. Great. It was great to be here. <laughs>